Advisor Innovation is sponsored by LPL. As financial advice continues to evolve, LPL is at the forefront. Whether it's growing your RIA or building an independent practice, advisors can pick the business model, services, technology, and product mix that best meets their clients' needs. As a top wealth management firm and a top three RIA custodian, LPL is 100% dedicated to advisor success. We look forward to learning how they can help you build your tomorrow today. For more information and show notes, visit go.lpl.com backslash advisor innovation. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Advisor Innovations Podcast. This is, as you know, the time where I get a chance to chat with the folks who are pushing the business of financial advice in new directions. And today, we're talking about advisor marketing. And I think few know it as well as my guest today, Sarah LeBlanc. Sarah is the Vice President of Marketing at LPL Financial, also the sponsor of this podcast. So thank you very much for that. Sarah, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, David, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. You know, when uh, I wanted to talk about advisor marketing, and I realized that it's a pretty large, spongy topic, uh, uh, you know, difficult to find a way in. But first of all, why don't, you know, before we jump into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your role there at LPL, what you do for them and what you do for the advisors in the network? Yeah, absolutely. So my role here is to lead our marketing consulting team. That's a service that all of our LPL advisors have access to. And our role is just to give them guidance, tips and recommendations around their marketing. We also have a lot of tools and resources they can take advantage of. So we want to make sure they're educated around that and just give them some some tools to help them really execute a marketing strategy that helps them achieve their objectives and reach their target market. So I've been doing this with LPL for about 12 years now and it's been a lot of fun. That's great. That's great. So you have seen probably the best and worst of advisor marketing when uh, out there. I've seen a lot. Yes. <laughs> uh, so let me just start off right off the bat. What do you think uh, is the biggest mistake most advisors make? And we're talking here about the broad universe of advisors, right? Not necessarily just LPL's advisors. The, the biggest mistake advisors make when it comes to marketing their services. And I would say my guess with that is would number one, that they don't do it at all. Number two would be what? <laughs> yeah, well, number one, you're, you're correct. And I think number two is that they don't recognize the importance of their digital presence, right? And, and I think in an industry that's so driven by referrals, they're just assuming all of that is coming in organically and not really aware of how many of those referral opportunities are going to go online and try to validate what they've heard through their web presence. So they don't recognize the importance of that online presence, I would say is number two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I always hear that the first thing anyone does when they hear about a service or an offering or a company that they might want to do business with, or even a, you know, a doctor or a dentist, they might want to visit. The first thing they do is go to Google, right? And they put that name in Google. Is there, do we have any reason to think that this is different for somebody who is uh, uh, in, the, in a prospect pipeline for a financial advisor? Wouldn't these prospects also go to Google and that'd be the first thing they would do? And Absolutely, that's the first thing they're going to do. I think the stat I saw recently said 97% of consumers go online to research products and services. I would say if even a fraction of that is uh, looking at their financial advisor, that's a pretty significant segment of the population. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so when it comes to their digital presence, are we talking about more than just a website here? 
Yeah, I think website is the fundamentals, right? That's the, the hub of your overall marketing strategy, especially your digital marketing presence. But we're also talking about things like social media participation as well, and just your content in general. I saw recently that about half of people as they're in that research phase, looking you up online, will look at at least three to five pieces of your content before making contact. The goal here is they're trying to learn about you as a financial advisor and, you know, what are your areas of expertise? Who are you as an individual? What is your mission statement? And they're going to use all of that to determine whether you become that advisor of choice that they reach out to. And I think for a lot of advisors, the idea of producing that content is scary. It's not easy to do. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, for advisors who maybe are, you know, tripping over themselves when they're trying to get that uh, content up and out into the digital environment? Sure. I have a couple of tips there. I think one piece of good news is that you can curate a lot of that content. I don't necessarily think you have to create it all on your own. And most firms, including LPL, have resources to help with that. We have a content library that our advisors can access for free and queue up content for sharing, for example. And I know a lot of firms have similar solutions to that. I think the key is in planning, right? So sitting down maybe once a quarter and thinking ahead to what are some of the things that we want to be discussing? And it can be based on timely topics, or it can be based on frequently asked questions that you're getting from your clients and coming up with a cadence that works for you. Maybe it's just one article a month that you're writing or a video a week, something like that, that you're producing to help supplement that curated content to differentiate your content from other financial advisors. Do you think video works? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can say that firsthand. I We like to practice what we preach here at LPL. So we do a lot of video on our own and share a lot of video content with our networks. And it gets tremendous feedback and kind of moves the needle for us in terms of conversations that we're having with our advisors. But advisors that I've worked with over, especially over the last year during the pandemic, reported back to me that, hey, they started doing some videos and were able to onboard some new clients specifically from people coming across that content on their own through social media. So we do know that it works. Okay. I, and, and I guess the reason I ask that is because, you know, if, if the idea of sitting down and writing a blog post is scary, the idea of sitting down and creating some video content is scary, even scarier, I think for a lot of advisors. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And when you look across the digital landscape and you see really well-produced, well-crafted videos out there from financial service firms that know what they're doing, I think for a lot of independent advisors, it might be you know, how do I compete with that? How do I make this not look, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, you know, cheap or derivative, you know, I'm just, mm -hmm. if I'm just setting up a iPhone and doing a selfie of me talking, you know, from the sidewalk, is that good enough? Yeah, it's a great question. And certainly we know that kind of the, the courage it takes to get started is the hardest part when it comes to video marketing and video content in general. Uh, but, but some words of wisdom there I would say is that it doesn't need to be highly produced, right? Authenticity is the most important factor in a lot of cases. It's just having the, the confidence to be yourself on camera, to let people get to know the real you through your content is gonna go a long way at what, what we would call building relationships at scale. So people are gonna watch your content and, and learn about you, learn about your expertise. 
And then when they're ready to reach out to somebody, they feel like they already know you, they're already comfortable with you. So the good news is you don't have to spend a lot of money on fancy equipment. You just have to focus on the content and making sure that it's really valuable to your target market and they will pay attention to that. And we certainly see a lot more advisors doing that, right? You know, social media is filled with uh, advisors who are producing video. Some of it great, some of it not so great, you know, kind of runs the, the gamut. You know, do you think for advisors who are trying to launch some kind of, uh, I'll just use this as a broad umbrella term, a digital marketing campaign of sorts, meaning video, blog posts, social media, there's some thought that goes into it around ROI, right? Because some of this stuff can take a long time. If you're producing content, you're monitoring social media channels, you're participating in social media the way you probably should participate in social media in order to get the traction that you need, it takes some time and effort. You know, a lot of advisors maybe are thinking, I could put in all that time and effort, but unless I'm sure that I'm getting something out of the other side, it's kind of a risky endeavor for me to undertake because there's other things I could be doing with my time. I think two thoughts on that. One is historically our industry has been very active at in-person networking and joining organizations in order to meet new people. This is like a different version of that. If you want to think about it that way, it's networking at scale. So if you compare, let's say crafting a LinkedIn post to going to a chamber of commerce luncheon, for example, that takes a significant time investment as well. You know, getting in your car, driving across town, sitting at a table and maybe meeting a couple new people people. Um, and that takes a chunk out of your day. But if you take that same time investment and create a piece of content for LinkedIn, you're going to reach a lot more people potentially. So that time investment may actually create more exposure than sort of the traditional way of networking, not to take away from that, because we know that also has value. Uh, but the other thing I think to consider is you can outsource a lot of that. So you can create a piece of content and then hire somebody to take that piece of content and make it work for you, whatever that may mean, whether it's creating an advertising campaign around it or just framing it up for social media in a strategic way to get more visibility. And you know, we at LPL have a solution for advisors who are looking to outsource the execution of their digital campaigns. And I'm sure there are lots of other solutions out there as well. Mm -hmm. And for advisors who need help, maybe with some of the aesthetics around the marketing, those services are available as well, correct? You know, what kind of pictures do you put on your blog post? Uh, uh, you know, what, and for your website, uh, if you know, uh, we see a lot of sometimes, you know, beaches and piers and compasses and lighthouses, but maybe there's, you know, some other ways that these digital presence, whether it's a website or blog post or LinkedIn profile can be spiffied up a little bit, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent. I think that's where, again, the authenticity piece comes into play here too. And I'm going to introduce the topic of value proposition at this point, because I think, you know, this is a good place to talk about what it is you want to be known for as a financial advisor. That's the benefit of being your own business owner is you get to create that and craft that it's all yours. So that value proposition that you are known for then shows up in everything you do, including your website, the visuals, the, the text on your site, and really everything that you do to communicate to those clients and prospects and other influencers in your communities. And so our team within marketing consulting has a lot of uh, conversations around that with our advisors to give them advice and recommendations. And, and there are third-party vendor options as well. What would you say to an advisor who has gone on social media, perhaps they've gone on Twitter, LinkedIn, they've started up these programs and they just can't seem to get any traction in terms of followers. 
I think that happens a fair amount. You know, it's, it's hard to build an audience of scale in those arenas. Do you, I guess my question to you is this, should advisors always think about the more followers, the better, or should they think about, well, I may only have, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a thousand followers, but they're the right ones. How, do, how should an advisor think about reach versus quality of social media followers? Great question. And I think in general with social media, in any industry, the thinking is really shifting around that towards more the latter, right? So whether you have 100,000 followers or 100 followers, ultimately, those followers have to be meaningful for your business. I personally would rather have 50 highly engaged people following me that are my current clients or prospective clients or influencers within my target market that are engaging with my content than have 100,000 followers and most of them are not engaged. You know, you really want to think about value of that audience over size of the audience. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a, that is a shift in the thinking that's going on. And I think people are, frankly, I, I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, there is even maybe some suspicion about social media personalities who have just these gigantic outsized followings. It begins to raise questions. How did that happen? You know, and, and we both know that there are some, you know, cheap ways to buy followers, cheap ways to buy comments on a social media thread. And you want to avoid those at all costs, correct? Agreed. Yes. You want to make sure those followers are truly authentic followers. It's, you're going to get more value out of that. Yeah. Um, it, it brought up another point, you know, the, well, you tell me what, beyond the social media and digital presence, what are some other trends that you're seeing uh, in terms of advisor marketing? Well, right now, David, I would say events are making a comeback. Of course, as we come out of this pandemic, everybody's really excited to get together again in person and host those events. I think what's really interesting coming out of COVID is that we all have adopted digital options as well. So, you know, a lot of advisors had to pivot from in-person seminars to webinars, but now we want to get back to those seminars. The trend that we're seeing is incorporating both in-person and digital events because the expectations have changed. People now are fully aware of the ease and convenience of joining an event virtually, for example, and you know, you don't have to get in your car and drive across town and put on shoes. That's really nice. So we want to make sure that we have a balance of offering in terms of events for our clients and prospects. So that's really what we're seeing now is a return to in-person with you know, a, an earmark for the virtual option at the same time. Yeah, and that this reminds me of the point that I was going to make before, and I kind of blanked on it a little bit. You know, when we talk about the digital media strategy and social media, that is sort of a geographic-less presence, right? But we know that the advisors game is also largely a local game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, advisors tend to cater to clients who live in their neighborhoods and communities and cities and, and towns. So the balance between how you, you know, take a social media presence versus being kind of a localized personality of sorts, that's the balance to be struck there, right? So it might be, and you tell me if I'm wrong, and maybe you, do you see advisors who maybe have success tweeting more about the, you know, uh, the town's little league softball tournament uh, as much as, you know, here are five things to keep in mind as you retire. 
100%. I think there are two things we can expand upon from that point. One is that you can leverage social media to highlight local engagement to your point. I think there are local communities and groups that are going to be paying attention to that content. And you can really kind of dig into the community through that type of, of content on social media. The other side of that is that, you know, geography is expanding for a lot of advisors frankly, thanks to the pandemic. I was just talking to an advisor the other day who had previously been targeting local employees of a particular biotech firm. And then during the pandemic realized, gosh, we don't have to be limited to local employees. So they've now expanded their online content and their online campaigns to reach the employees of that company all over the country. And so I think there are opportunities with social to not only engage locally, but to expand your geographic reach as well. Yeah, for sure. And I guess I brought that up because you brought up uh, events and we're seeing a return to events. And I'm wondering if you've noticed a change or you know, beyond just the fact that they're going to be both hybrid and in-person events. But, you know, I think a lot of advisors had success with things like uh, wine tastings or outings for preferred clients or doing kind of uh, dinners and for prospects, maybe seminars, uh, you know, at a, a restaurant or a community college or, or these kinds of things. Have you noticed any change in the content of the in-person event recently, maybe even going back to before the pandemic, I don't know. What do these in-person events that advisors will host for prospecting, for marketing look like? It does vary a bit. We have worked with some advisors who still have a great deal of success with in-person seminars, but for the most part, it feels like we're trending away from that. A lot of folks tell me that they're not having as much success even before the pandemic of getting folks to show up to those seminars or maybe not the right folks that they're looking to reach. And they're quite expensive to rent the venue and you know bring in food and, and beverages and that kind of thing. And so I think there was a shift happening even before COVID away from more seminars and towards more of those experiential events. So things like you mentioned, the wine tasting or maybe test driving some really cool car or something like that. And the value is not just deepening those client relationships, but oftentimes those cool experiences were inspiring their clients to bring friends and more people want to come out for that. And that's how you get to meet new people. So that's definitely something we were seeing. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a, and, and I definitely think that mirrors a broader trend towards a more experiential type travel, more, uh, you know, people are looking to pay for experiences more so than, you know, things, right? Exactly. You know, one of the questions too that we wanted to talk about was, you know, how you measure the success of marketing. Uh, and we talked a little bit about the ROI uh, that some advisors might be looking for, but how can you tell us about, you know, how you think about measuring the success of marketing? Is it just simply... AUM growth? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to vary a little bit from business to business based on your own business goals, right? Your growth goals, whether it's AUM or what, what have you. Uh, but and it depends on your business maturity too, your target market. So ultimately, I think each advisor really has to define that for themselves. And then keep in mind too, that marketing goals should be a little bit more tactical than your business goals is what I would suggest. So a business goal may be increase AUM by X percent, but a marketing goal might be something like connect with a hundred new people per month on LinkedIn or increase social media engagement by X percent or attract 10% more prospects to your webinars, for example. You get the idea here, but 
big picture wise, if your business goal is to add one new client per month, then you should really define those marketing activities you think will help you get there. And maybe that's hosting one educational webinar per week and promoting it and advertising it through email and social media. But then watch your results. And I think this is another area where many advisors don't pay enough attention to the results at the end um, in order to pivot and make changes to that. So how many people looked at the ads? How many people clicked that webinar registration link and actually followed through and attended? So you want to be measuring all of that along the journey, create some benchmarks for yourself, and then you know, really have patience with it because results often don't happen overnight, but tweak and make adjustments along the way. And you may have to invest a little bit of your time in order to see those significant outcomes. But I think the key is just knowing what you want it to accomplish and, and tracking and measuring the tactics as much as the business goals. Yeah. So following the data through, I, you know, I think we, we talked to a lot of advisors who, um, you know, will say, well, I tried this, you know, marketing service, or I tried this lead generation service. And it just didn't really work for me. And I think sometimes there's an unrealistic expectation on the part of the advisor that, you know, you just simply sign up for this service and, you know, prospects are going to be walking in the door and a certain percentage are going to be signing on the bottom line, but it's not really the way it works, right? I mean, you have to kind of nurture those just like any, in any kind of marketing campaign, right? You have to nurture those leads throughout the funnel, right? It's a, uh, it's not simply enough just to be given the names or have the people show up to the dinner or have the people clicking on your articles. You got to do something with that. Exactly. It takes time. And, you know, having people show up to your webinar, show up to your seminar, having a, a plan in place to follow up with them afterwards is key. And I think, you know, investing the time and having the patience with it is key there as well. Thinking about it similarly to what we tell our clients, right? We tell them, hey, just because you sign up with a new investment product or strategy doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow you're going to have, you know, a significant increase. It's something that we invest in over time to see long-term results and marketing is very similar to that. Yeah. Um, this gets into the conversation about, you know, services that are available to advisors to help them do these kinds of things. And LPL has a whole suite of services, I'm aware. And largely you can bucket these things into kind of the difference between marketing consulting, you know, and maybe you can help tease us out a little bit what that is versus marketing solutions, which I gather is more sort of platform-based what are the, you know, for the, for the myriad options that are available for advisors out there, how can you sort of tease apart what's marketing consulting versus marketing solutions? Yes, we like to name things very similarly to make it as hard to understand as possible. So let me try to clarify here. So my team that I lead is, is marketing consulting, and we are really here to help the advisors by guiding them, helping them strategize, and they can engage our team anytime they'd like. There's no cost for setting up a conversation with us. We get to know their objectives and their target market. And we provide recommendations on everything from their brand to website and social media strategy and content, video marketing, and all of that. At the end of the day, though, it's up to that advisor to execute on the strategy and the recommendations that we provide. So that's really the main difference because with marketing solutions, advisors are actually hiring one of our marketing consultants at LPL for a fee. And then that consultant helps them develop a digital marketing plan based on their goals and objectives and target market. And then they're actually implementing the plan, including things like managing all the compliance submissions, posting on their social profiles, man managing their digital campaigns and other similar activities to that. So a lot of our advisors really appreciate that opportunity to leverage that team of experts to execute on their behalf. 
Yeah, so it's the difference between consulting and execution, really. Exactly. Uh, and you guys offer the consulting for free? We do, yes. Okay, that's nice. Is, is this similar to what we hear about uh, in other parts of the industry, like sort of the outsourced CMO position? If we outsource yeah, so CMO. that, yep, marketing solutions is very similar to that concept. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Have you, this might be too deep in the weeds, but uh, you know, the recent change with the SEC to allow testimonials for advisors in their advertising campaigns. This was, you know, an updated and antiquated rule that the SEC had uh, that just didn't fit in the modern era. Have you seen a lot of advisors really change their marketing strategies because of that? Or is it just sort of a thing that, you know, it's nice that the rule has changed, but most advisors are not going to start soliciting clients for testimonials. I haven't seen any advisors taking action on it yet. And that may be because, you know, specifically, I think a lot of us are in sort of a holding pattern interpreting the new policy and trying to come up with our own policy and how we communicate that to our advisors at LPL. So we're still kind of waiting to see how that flushes out. So I haven't seen any significant changes in advisor activity just yet, but I personally am very excited about it. I think it makes sense to see the change. Yeah, and, and some possibilities there, I guess. You know, We'll see how it shakes out. What about the recent pandemic? Have you noticed any change in the way advisors are marketing themselves because of the pandemic? I think we seem to sort of be on the tail end of it here, but is there any kind of lasting change that maybe uh, advisors have pivoted and because of the pandemic and the environment that we're in? Yeah, I mean, I think we've already talked a little bit about webinars and virtual events, but my yeah. favorite way I've seen our advisors pivot is towards video content. And I know we touched on that earlier too, but you know, to our earlier conversation, it's overwhelming and it's scary to get started with video. What I think the pandemic did was really force a lot of advisors to take action because otherwise, especially at the beginning, there really wasn't a way to get in front of your clients and especially new people and prospects visibly in front of them because we weren't leaving our homes and we weren't going to those networking events. So, you know, they kind of you know, summoned up that courage, started a video, uh, you know, strategy and campaign and went out and started sharing that content. And it's been an absolute pleasure to see in my social media feeds, so many of our advisor videos popping up and, you know, they're getting really good at it. I think, frankly, a lot of them are better than with their video content and editing and graphics. And it's great to see that creativity. I expect that to continue even post-pandemic. I think consumers also are expecting to see more of that type of content. They want to make sure that they are seeing their financial advisors and other professionals and brands in their social feeds on a regular basis to stay top of mind. They're, they want to reach you through those channels as well. I want to direct message you on LinkedIn rather than pick up the phone or send you an email. And I think those shifts will continue. And the advisors who have you know, adopted those new strategies and adapted to the new uh, way of doing business are going to see greater success. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I'll tell you, it also strikes me that the way that the video has been used over the course of the pandemic has been this sort of almost forced intimacy and really authenticity and when you're talking to an advisor or anyone and they're, you know, in their kitchen or, you know, in their living room mm -hmm. or in their office and you see, you know, all of their kind of personal home life going on behind them, that's actually pretty nice, right? I mean, it's a, that's a, it's, it might have been pre-pandemic considered, oh, well, that's, you know, we got to edit that stuff out. We got to, we got to make sure that there's a green screen behind there with like a nice, you know, background. Now, I think that that kind of intimacy and authenticity is valuable. 
I think it resonates so well. I'll just kind of speak from my own experience. I've been recording a video a week on different marketing tips and I film it around my house, inside and outside around my house. And I get so many comments from advisors who know like, oh, you have that lemon tree in your backyard. I love seeing all the different spots around your house. So it actually does help build relationships. I think it's actually really important because we've also done videos historically out of our marketing team where we are in the studio and we have the green screen. And frankly, I get more engagement and more visibility on the, the videos that I shoot in my backyard. So I think you're right with that. Exactly. I wanted to touch on something that you recently wrote, uh, and I know we're coming up to the end of the time, but, uh, you know, when you talk about client personas and marketing to different personas, is that uh, a strategy? Can you tease out that strategy for us a little bit? Do we think about the persona of the prospect in mind when we create marketing strategies? Yes. This is another area where I think advisors, it's a simple thing you can do. It's actionable and it's really fun, right? So personas, I'll define that a little bit more because I know it's it's sort of a, a fun little marketing thing that we talk about. And probably a lot of our financial advisors are not familiar with this term. So essentially a persona is a fictional character that you create that represents your ideal client or clients, right? So you may have a, a persona that you'll call small business Bob, for instance. And the goal here is to then brainstorm everything about Bob from his backgrounds and values to his lifestyle and pain points and motivators. And then you write out that story, you use as much detail as you possibly can. And then we're thinking about small business Bob every time we create a piece of content and we're speaking directly to him in our videos. It's going to help us connect to their needs and create better content. And you can certainly have more than one. You may have small business Bob and retirement Rita, but just decide which one you're speaking to as you're creating content. And it's really going to help you focus in on messaging and information that's most relevant to the people you're looking to reach. Yeah, and for sure. And for advisors who have discovered the idea of niche markets and, and targeting a, a particular niche, that, that, that resonates. The riches are in the niches, as they say. <laughs> I like that. What about you, Sarah? You, you uh, came up, you weren't always in financial services. You were in media for a while, correct? That's correct. Yes. So prior to my 12 years at LPL, I was at the local newspaper here in San Diego, working on both the print side and the digital side. Well, the San Diego Union Tribune is a pretty large newspaper. I mean, I guess I know it's a local newspaper, but it's a big paper. It's a big media operation. It is. Probably not as big now as it was then, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah, uh, that's great. So it's, you know, you were doing digital and media there. Uh, and, and took those skills, transferred over to LPL. Correct. Yeah. I think it's helpful to have that media background. I, I say what I do today is kind of like the slumdog millionaire of jobs because I have the experience with advertising and marketing. And prior to that, I was at Capital One. So that financial services background, it all sort of comes together for my current role in helping our advisors navigate all those different aspects of marketing. Well, that's fantastic. Sarah, this has been great. Thanks very much. I, I know we're, we've gone past our time, so it's been a great conversation. I appreciate you being with us. Thanks for having me, David. And this has been the Advisor Innovations Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member of FINRA SIPC. LPL Financial is a separate entity from and not affiliated with WealthManagement.com.